Hey, what's going on, y'all? This is Mega Ran, creator of songs such as Avalanche and Infinite Lives. You are now listening to Adrian Has Issues. Turn it up. Maybe you'll learn something. Peace. Hey everybody, welcome to Adrian Has Issues. I'm Adrian, and well, we've already been having a lot of fun, so now I gotta get back into like professional podcast host mode. Take one! Take two, they're small. (laughs) (laughs) So something I realized on this show, and I think a lot of people figured out that oftentimes I talk about comic books on the show because that is one of my major passions. But one of the things I think people may not know, and especially if you are a new listener to the show, is that my love of music and video games, I hate to say it, but probably predates comics. And it's been about eight years since I was first introduced to the world of video game music, or VGM if you're cool, as a genre in and of itself. But before that, I just knew like I love video games, I love music and video games, and I just love music in general. So it was around that time when I had heard it was the album Downright Heavy by The Sins of Eredrick. I picked up a CD on a whim at a video game store, and it just was like, wait a minute, people can actually like play this? And it kind of blew my mind in a really small sort of way. And then at that point, I kind of fell down a rabbit hole of, you know, so many people were incorporating different styles of music into video game arrangements, whether it be hip hop. Matter of fact, we've had Megan Rand on the show back in episode 102. Uh, let's see, we've dance, metal. The great thing about VGM is it crosses all sorts of genres and styles, and it's just a really cool time. And speaking of VGM, today's guests are... I don't want to use the word supergroup because I know in a way that's kind of like an eye-rolling term now, but I mean, there's no other way to say it. Uh, They hail from a number of different projects, but have banded together and they are Lonely Rolling Stars. And after their recent performance at MAGFest, which we'll get into later on, um, just released their second album called Sugar Burger, which is the follow-up to 2014's Carnivore Text. And we'll get into all that, but first let me introduce them individually. Uh, We have Sean Stone who is the guitarist and formerly of the Smash Brothers. How you doing, Sean? Hi. (laughs) And George Norick, who's the uh, bassist and also formerly of the Smash Brothers. Hey, George. Hello there. And we have Chuck Finbeard Simpson, uh, who's the drummer of Lonely Roller Stars, which I had to just mention this. In the press materials, under your name is set, a mascot statuette stolen from out in front of an old big boy restaurant and brought to life, which I don't know how that happened, but, well, nice to meet you, Chuck. Yo, ever since my birth a couple of years ago, I was frozen in front of the restaurant. It's been a wild ride. I'm just happy to be here, man. <laughs> I just actually just changed it to like unfrozen caveman drummer. That's me, man. I'm I'm trying to from now on. I'm trying to have my hands my hands full of wood and not full of burgers. Wow. <laughs> so that's the kind of turn this is going to take. Oh yeah, it's, it's, like I said, it's going to get weird. Which yeah, that's about right for us. <laughs> But thanks for joining me, though. I really do appreciate you guys taking the time out to chat. For sure. Thanks for having us on, dude. <laughs> and you know what, though? I- Sorry, I thought my F key was broken. I had to check that. <laughs> and I feel bad. While they're not here with us, um, I should mention Chris Dugash, who's the uh, keyboardist of Arm Cannon, and Mega Beardo, who is your guitarist. All right, I just have to point out, while he's not here, and I'm glad he isn't, because he probably get a lot of me gushing over Legend of Zelda. Mm, that's a thing he made. Le- Legend yes. of yes. Zelda. Holy yep. shit, that album caused a lot of tinnitus, but that's okay. It was a lucky <laughs> find. It was a good thing when we thought it was going to be a huge deal losing Stimmage, because Stimmage is amazing. Uh, but then we, we got Mega Beardo in the band, and... That was that yeah, was a good and, mix, and of course, Stimmage keeps showing up now. anyway. <laughs> <laughs> right. I feel I feel like Grant kind of so like we have everyone prematurely because like we we play a lot better now. <laughs> oh. No, not That's because why, he left. not because of him. Like yeah. he, he bailed before we had time to he practice bailed our early. stuff. Before we got solid. Enough incubation period. But that's okay because he keeps coming back. We keep having him play stuff. 
That's keep true. having him show up. He keeps coming back like this, a song. This, I think, this is the first interview we've ever done that Grant hasn't still come to, despite having not been in the band anymore. <laughs> he was just where I just was, because uh, he he mastered the the chip when chips flipped compilation. Uh, uh, uh. They just released an hour ago. Oh, that's right. Which uh, shout out to Hoodie, by the way, because I'm a huge fan of the Chip Tunes Equals Win compilation. And um, yeah, I hope to have him on at one point because those compilations are my life. I just got to be the first track on one today. So I'm excited about that. <laughs> I got to, I, I remixed the Chip Zell tune. Very cool. Oh, I wanted to do that project so bad and I had to back off on it because I got stuck in a Tangle Deep thing for Zircon. Oh, I was double booked. Well, hopefully you get on the next one at least. Yeah, if they do another one, I asked them to keep me in mind for that one. I'd be surprised if they stop at any point. I mean, it's been going so well, but I know that's got to be a, a difficult thing to do. But I, I really do hope they continue because they, they always find new, fresh ways to rearrange and release new stuff. And it's it's a really cool scene. Fresh. <laughs> so let's get into your beginnings. I'm always a fan of origin stories since I do talk about comic books a lot. Obviously, you guys hail from so many different bands. So at what point did you guys come together and realize, hey, we want to make music together? Well, let me see if I can try to remember. I used to mix MAGFest's live sound. And Grant and I kind of gave each other this look one year when we saw that there were a couple of guys who were in multiple bands. And Chuck was with me that year. We were in the airport when I sent Grant a text saying, hey, want to make a band? And we just kind of laughed and then we got the response in all caps that said, hell yes. <laughs> so completely independently of that, I ran into Grant the same year in the jam space and Grant and I, we play through the same amp. Uh, so we have sort of a bond. We both use it. It's a kind of an unusual amp. It's a PV Delta blues. So it's not one that's super common that everybody uses like a Marshall JCM 800 or something. Um, completely independent of that. I also ran into Grant and I was like, man, we should play some stuff together. And I think there might've been a third instance where like all of us were just like, yeah, we should just do something. Um, so it, it was just, you know, the right time for all of us to do something together. And, it was uh, Sean and I had finished the, um, the non-compete clause of the smash brothers <laughs> and, and off we went. Yeah, that was the third thing. You, me, and Chuck all went and jammed with Prozac and Mitty in the jam right. space. <laughs> it, was, it was like a quasi-Smash Bros. reunion. And we played Gitteru Man, of all things. It was on the new, the new disc. That's right. Yep. Or new, it's not a disc. Come on, correct me, man. <laughs> it's a slap bracelet. No, it's a disc. It's an album. I'm still using these terms. Album it's a record, guys. Correct. It's a record. That's right. Ooh, good call. That's right. I've been corrected twice. It's an... Eight track. track. It's not an eight track. That's too specific and incorrect, George. Gramophone? Yeah, it has like 13 <laughs> tracks. Come on, man. Grandpa phone? Tubaphone! Two, it is a tubaphone. Is it too late to bring back the Victrola? Yes. Oh, dude. I do, I I do love the Victrola. Can we release like, like a couple minutes of this album on a 78? That'd be great. To record metal onto a wax cylinder, if you haven't seen that video. <laughs> the Fidelity. Oh, yeah. Oh, the Everybody needs to gather around the horn and record into the one audio source. Yes, and play as loudly as possible. There you go. That's the third album right there. I want producer credit, though. We uh, for sure. For sure. Phone. <laughs> Something I mentioned at the top of the show and why I love VGM is how eclectic the arrangements are. You know, especially considering the style of music from the bands that you come from. When it came to Sugar Burger, was there any particular theme that you had going into the like the songwriting process or even just choosing the songs themselves? Panic mode? We have a giant uh, Google Docs like spreadsheet and we all type in and it's very chaotic. And uh, we basically have like a wish list of songs where we all say a song that we absolutely must do, a song that we could do. And uh, then like a wish list song. And out of that, it usually crystallizes down to some kind of a track list. And then usually we throw in some other crazy random bullshit on the way to completion. Uh, and then we just sit around for three years and don't record anything. Pretty uh, much. And then we record everything in a panic. because It's like, oh, we're playing at MAGFest this year. I guess we should have an album. So we finished the whole thing in a month prior to going to MAGFest. Yes, we did. I finished mixing and sent the tracks to be mastered by Snappleman in the week leading up to MAGFest. Yep. It's a good thing he's fast. 
He is so fast. Oh my goodness. In the ways of the hedgehog. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Gotta catch them all. (laughs) What? Wait, wait. What's a little brand confusion between friends, am I right? (laughs) (laughs) That's the theme of this band. (laughs) Brand confusion? Yes. (laughs) But I think that's what I loved about Sugar Burger is the fact that there's a lot of themes that become universal. There's often, you know, Mario Brothers, there's Legend of Zelda, you know, there's more of your popular games. But what I've loved recently is the song listings have become just really obscure and not in a way just to just for the sake of being different, but pulling from so many different influences. I noticed a couple of times in your album that there's these bizarre mashups that aren't even necessarily listed. <laughs> um, for instance, uh, <laughs> at one point... It was probably Gauntlet. Yep, it's all right. If you Gauntlet, Fauntlet. Which, at one point, I'm like, wait a minute. Did I just hear the Quantum Leap theme song? Oh, that could be anywhere. <laughs> that could be any of <laughs> It's everywhere. <laughs> yeah, I think, there's, I think there's like five or six Quantum Leaps in the album. <laughs> Gauntlet also has uh, Castlevania clockwork worked into the middle of the solo as well. And it also uh, has the NFL theme song. And the NFL, the Fox NFL music, yeah. Yeah. Uh, we actually had to deliberately dial back the uh, the Quantum Leap because we, we now that we uh, have, have played it enough, we sort of, we, we can put it wherever we want now. And sometimes we have to be like, all right, you've you've done it seven times in this song. Stop. <laughs> yeah, we actually we had to edit a couple of those out. It's our version of the lick. You can't really pull back on it only because I feel like that's kind of your signature. And I know that was one of the callbacks to one of your songs from the first album, Bacula to the Future, which uh, shout out to my sister. Because while you guys had Dr. Bacula, uh, thanks to her, I can now only refer to Scott as Count Bacula. Ah, <laughs> I heard that's a great cereal, too. Yeah, it's seasonal. But you know what, though? It, it's still pretty awesome. Yummy. It's kind of your thing now. I feel like if you dial back on it too much, though, I think what'll become really fun if um, there are future releases is having fans try to figure out, okay, where is it going to pop up on the album? Yeah, we, See, then we, we have to start hiding. getting obscure yeah, and like sorry. making progressions out of the keys that the notes are in <laughs> so that nobody really notices what's happening. How about how about we just do like a Paul stretch, like Quantum Leap, where it's just <laughs> like Quantum Leap, but 800% slow? Song over the top of the 800% slower? Thing. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, make yeah. it real moody. Just have you do like a like a nice soaring guitar solo to the prog like, gods. It'll be like a seven minute sustained orc hit, though. Yep. Yes. Orchestra hit playing the the quantum leap theme. Paul Stretch orc hit. I, I would love just an entire album where we have Chris <laughs> do use nothing but orchestra hits and MIDI saxophone. <laughs> turn chris wild and get him motivated to make an entire album for us to just follow his lead on that would be amazing that would be amazing and it would take 10 years (laughs) that's that's why it hasn't happened yet Uh, it's worthwhile 10 years of all time mm -hmm. yeah we should just make that a side project that's ongoing and when it when it gets done it gets done Ongoing and ongoing and ongoing and ongoing. (laughs) Basically, you know, if you start now, you know, by like 2028, you should be good to go. That's like when it takes you two and a half hours to drive to the city that you want to watch a show in, and the show only lasts for half an hour. Just oh, so it's Brooklyn. (laughs) Pretty much, the return on investment is not the greatest, but we'd probably still do it anyway. Yeah, we would. It took me about two and a half hours to get to a show in Brooklyn, and it was a pop-punk band, so of course, short, fast, and loud. Show was over in a half hour, then I just had to, like, go home. And it was, like, no place to hang out, because it was, like, mad late. And because it was in Brooklyn. Yeah, when you live in Northeast New Jersey, it's like, well, shit. Ooh. <laughs> Ouch. <laughs> <laughs> oh, speaking of mashups, one thing I did love about Sugar Burgers, it's not even just video games like, you know, we mentioned Quantum Leap before, um, the NFL uh, jingle, but I think one of my favorite mashups has to be Super Mario Brothers 2 and Too Many Cooks. What the hell? <laughs> we needed intro music. The second to last show we did, we decided we wanted an intro video, and <laughs> that's kind of what came out. Oh, it was because we wanted to have a video of the meat prince sleeping. Like yep. from the end of Super Mario 2, instead of, except instead of Mario's face, it was Steak Boy. 
the meat prince. <laughs> the, the prince from Katamari the, uh, Damashi, but with a the, stake the prince, as the his prince face. The prince from yeah. Katamari, but for uh, legal copyright purposes, he's got a big old just stake censoring his face out. But we put the entire king from Katamari on the cover with absolutely no alterations, so I guess I didn't really think no. that one through. But you, you well, recreated that pixel by pixel, and nobody ever catches that you did that. You did so much work, and no one noticed. I was going to say, yeah. I, I remember we, we put out Carnivortex, and Nate Horsfall was like, man, the guys, guys, the album sounds great, but I can't believe you guys just ripped off like official art. <laughs> and I was like, no, Chuck's Nate, just I like, drew cry. that. Nate, did you not look at the crotch? There is your difference. <laughs> oh, no, I covered up the crotch with text. Yeah. Oh, that's right. You did. You can't really see the bulging crotch. Yeah, I I gave him like some ridiculous dick bulge, but it was not to be <laughs> because it wasn't it wasn't enough in the original versions. This podcast is now rated PG thirteen. Oh no, it's it's gotten forward. Listener discretion is advised. <laughs> yeah, talking about dick bulges and hands full of wood and shit like that. That's uh, it's not good. We see hands full of wood. You could have let that one slide by the censors, but no. no but the dick bulge thing—I I mean, that's that's pretty blatant. I don't even want to know what that is at this point. That's George's version. That's his version of ASMR. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the Commodore snare. I'm sorry. I just well, I want to see a court case where it comes down to, I mean, God forbid you guys ever get like hauled in for the lawsuit and have your attorney argue about the dick bulge. I'm like, look, there's text covering it. It, it, it plays. <laughs> hey, guys, come on. Look, there's a dick bulge, okay? There's a dick bulge in there. It was not in the original. You must acquit. The glove don't fit. <laughs> the gloves fit. The cod piece is a little bit snug, though. Yeah, exactly. Strong <laughs> glove. But it's busting out. The one-fingered glove. <laughs> Just imagine, like the entire image, just like just superimposed in the courtroom, and everybody has to like, examine this thing just and actually measuring it out. They got their jeweler's loop, and they're looking at the dick bulge. <laughs> well, that's just like playing Katamari Damashi. Oh yeah, that's pretty much. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, that's how I play. I don't know about y'all. <laughs> My God! And now that game was forever just ruined for me. <laughs> I feel like Katamari doesn't need help to be pretty pretty freaking out there. It is pretty out there. It was funny listening to a Miyaki talk about the, that ending when uh, people are like, oh, it's all happy, peace, and sunshine. And he's like, really? Is, it, is that what kind of game we made? Because I don't think that's the game we made. Like, it yeah. was death and destruction six ways to Sunday. <laughs> but that's how you know a game yep. is brilliant where you could take... Super, and I've noticed game developers are really good with this by making games that are really dark or about... Uh, where like the social commentary behind them is like pretty screwed up, but it's done in like this really pleasant way where people don't realize it's like, oh, you're actually destroying the world. Yeah, yep. man. I mean, most games have you playing as a genocidal maniac. That that's just the nature of games. At best, you're a burglar. Yeah, but how many of them make you play as somebody who's smiling as you do it though? Uh, is the prince smiling though? I mean, he su- seems su- like he's Supra-Mero. got this sort of thing. The face is drawn in a way that you can create your own interpretation of whether or not he's smiling or grimly determined or pooping. The Mona Lisa smiles is the real shit, though. Like, you got to look at the eyes. It's very much like Mona Lisa, yeah. But it's like Mario Brothers. I mean, yeah, you you tell yourself, okay, this guy is here to save the princess. But, I mean, the number of, like, flora and fauna that Mario pretty much wrecks on his way to the castle, it's kind of unprecedented. But also, why doesn't the princess have any, like, competent guards? Like, what's going on there? Why does this working-class union plumber, like, have to come and rescue the princess? Like, why is that his problem? This this is just another example of the ruling class taking advantage of the working man. (laughs) I think that that Super Mario Brothers has a deeper commentary here. But wasn't that also one of the arguments with, like, Donkey Kong? Was it Donkey Kong 3? Because which one was Mario the bad guy in? He was the bad guy in Donkey Kong Jr. He was... Oh, he might. Obviously, he was the bad guy in. I don't know. Donkey Kong Three is kind of debatable. Yeah, that one. It's wow. Like talk about moral gray area there. Holy shit! One could go so far as to say it's really the Dark Souls of the uh, the Donkey Kong franchise. <laughs> Why you got to bring up Dark Souls, Chuck? Why? Why? Why does <laughs> literally every person who gets an opportunity to write an op-ed article have to bring up Dark Souls? Yeah. There you go. I guess. Well, got that, that sorted. Right. 
All right. Well, we're done with the Dark Souls segment, so let's move on. <laughs> well, anyway, back to <laughs> this has been Dark Souls Minute. I would say th- I would say that minute was really the Dark Souls of this podcast. Honestly, I should do that every podcast now, even if it's completely unrelated. Like, I just want to have someone on and just bring up Dark Souls. Like, wait, all right, what's your take on Dark Souls? Eight minutes of That's dead silence. Not- this has been the Dark Souls Minute. It's like the perfect psychological test because depending on your reaction, because to me, I figured if someone speaks on it pleasantly, they might be a little disturbed because most people, it's either they get anxious or in my case, just blazingly angry because I just can't with Dark Souls. And I know that I feel like I pissed off a lot of gamers by saying that, but I am the absolute worst when it comes to Dark Souls. I just suck at it. I feel like I feel like a number of people out there might tell you that a, a good solution for that is to get good, uh, but they might not spell it correctly. So you might want to just watch they out for that. In the they future. might say that. Lord, they, they may send you a chopper read video. <laughs> chopper read. <laughs> <laughs> it took me a minute. That. <laughs> <laughs> that was this a little bit of a deeper spent. cut. Oh, man. Welcome to the last episode of Adrian Has Issues. I'm Adrian. (laughs) Oh, God. But what we should do is take a quick break, though, because I do want um, our listeners to to hear some of this new album. So I figured what I'll do is we'll take a break. In the meantime, you get to hear Splatatui, which is, of course, their arrangement from Splatoon. So, yeah, we'll be back with Lonely Rolling Stars.
All right, cool. Let me just take a quick sip here because I'm like trying not to like drink like a fish. Yeah. Have you ever seen a fish drink? It's it's not normal. It's not right. Yeah, it's all the that'd be kind of depressing. Isn't that, isn't that just breathing for them? No, they breathe through just, a completely different apparatus. Chuck, are you not familiar with the biology of the fish? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, Chuck. I didn't mean to be so mean. I just um, I don't eat fish. Man, I don't eat any creature that fucks <laughs> in water. Earlier today, I saw a, a picture. It was in the subreddit, the Normal Day in Russia subreddit, and it was of a it was a washing machine that had like a gas oven on top of it, and the comment underneath the one of the first comments was is that a dishwasher (laughs) (laughs) it's it's clearly it's got a it's got a side loading drum (laughs) so the first response was have you ever seen any appliance in your life (laughs) and the guy was like okay let me ask again is this some sort of bizarre russian combination dishwasher oven (laughs) it's like I, I think you need to look closer, sir. Um, and then I pasted it in our in, into our Discord where we hang out, and our friend Max was like, "Yeah, man, that's that's normal. That's just a thing. You would see that kind of th- that kind of appliance." I'm like, "No, no, Max, that that's not the weird part, man. Look at the comment." And he's like, "No, you know, I mean, you'll see that kind of thing like a washer and stove." I'm like, "Max, oh my god, are you this guy?" <laughs> <laughs> Because if you put your dishes in that, they're going to come out pretty wrecked. Uh, (laughs) Well, think of it this way. When they're broken, you'll never have to wash and or dry them ever again. So, secret win? No? Yeah. But, I mean, good luck getting whatever was on the dishes out of your clothes when you remember that it's for those. (laughs) (laughs) Now, in my head, I'm like, do I keep that in? Do I take it out? Do I just let it just roll? Put it wherever. It's, it's, It's not anything embarrassing more than what Chuck was doing earlier. Put um, it in. Why you could suddenly come uh, with the uh, knives out for me? I brought the poop knife. Would you like to talk about that? I just talked about that <laughs> no. on another podcast. I would like to not talk about the poop knife again. <laughs> again. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, like the sound like the fear. You sound shook. Like, oh my god, like I almost don't want to bring it up. Like I want to ask, but in the way in which you were pretty much begging, don't bring up the poop knife, please. Like, <laughs> like I have a family. Like, don't. Google it. Got, it's not as bad as you think. I've got PTSD. Um, That's post-traumatic stone disorder. <laughs> <laughs> it happens once yeah. a year to, to Chuck. Oh, yeah, guys. Hey, welcome back. Tadrian has issues. We hope you enjoyed our song. Yeah, I hope everybody enjoyed the song. I really enjoyed it because I've been looping it pretty much all day. It's pretty rad. I'm speaking with Sean Stone, George Nowick, and Chuck Simpson of Lonely Rolling Stars. We're talking about their new album, Sugar Burger, which it was mentioned a little bit earlier, if you didn't catch it, but um, maybe the only album released on a slap-on bracelet. I need to know the story. How the hell did that come about? I think uh, it was Grant that originally said, like, a few years back, Hey, wouldn't it be cool to have slap bracelets? And we're like, yeah, that'd be pretty cool. And then fast forward to three years later when we're trying to complete the album. And my sister and brother-in-law, who are part of an EDM group called Super Square, one day handed me a slap bracelet and there was a USB thumb drive embedded in it. And it, it just dawned on me that that was the coolest thing I've ever seen. And so I approached the rest of the band with that and said, hey, remember when Grant said we should get slap bracelets? What if... We put the album on them. <laughs> and we're and like, that's a said stupid it. question. Why didn't you just already do it? Yeah. Right. Well, what if he did it and then you guys looked at him and was like, the hell is your problem? What if he just got angry? What if he got kicked out of the band because he came up with this crazy idea? See, no, he did the smart thing. I mean, frankly, I, that would be his gain. Being kicked if he out was getting thing. kicked, yeah, if he was getting <laughs> kicked out, it would be for making us play things that we can't play, not for. Yeah, that, that <laughs> every, wait a minute. See things. now, all right, all right. See now, they're telling on you because now I feel like there's a story behind this. But, <laughs> there, well, if you look at our live set list, you'll notice that George's songs are not in them. Ever. Typically, no. ever. It, it, <laughs> oh, we did. We did Turrican. We can do Turrican. Turrican. That's true. Turrican's playable. Yeah, Turkin is playable. Yeah, Turkin is actually pretty. There fun. was one time we tried to play "I Drink Your Milkshake" and it drank our milkshake. It, yeah. we, we should not have even tried to do that in front of an audience. That was very foolish of us. That nah, was still fun. I'd do it again. If I had I a chance to do it again, I put on my big boy pants before, before attempting it again. You I were think wearing, I was wearing my little boy, boy pants. pants. No, oh, I was dude. wearing a onesie at that point, and yeah. I feel like 
I feel like to have my big boy pants. No, 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 no. Here's the thing. (laughs) To have my big boy pants on, the Spyro onesie, that's the little boy pants. The big boy pants is my Captain Picard onesie that I got a couple of months ago. Hey, hey, Chuck. No, 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 no. How'd you do that? Uh, What what just happened to George? He went Max Headroom on us. That happens to me all the time. Yeah, so the the, no, 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 no. That's a side effect of, <laughs> of playing D&D with a bunch of uh, hyperactive nerds all the time, uh, like once a week. And uh, we, we all kind of talk over each other and are generally rude uh, to each other and abusive. Um, but, it, you know, anyone who's listening to this who's ever played D&D will totally know how that goes. So uh, in order to make myself heard and in order to uh, assert myself in the conversation, uh, I, I've, I've developed this ability. I think it's also because I'm friends with a guy that owns an Indian restaurant and he's from Punjab in India. And uh, uh. he does totally does the same thing and i guess he like infected me with that like mannerism so he's always like no 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 and i'll be like whoa deep calm down that's awesome that's pretty badass though <laughs> is his name deep <laughs> it is his name is deep dude that's deep it's a good name that's awesome mm-hmm. <laughs> so something that was brought up um obviously magfest uh being a pretty big deal but the most recent one you guys got to play with vince decola from the transformers movie holy shit Uncle Vince. Correction. Transformers the movie and Rocky Four. I mean, mm-hmm. two of probably the most important movies of the 80s, of course. Two, two of Absolutely. the most important movies, I would say, uh, made Ever. since the creation of movies. Especially <laughs> in terms of soundtrack and genre creation. The man he who invented the, the montage. training montage. Yeah. How did meeting up with Vince even happen before even performing at MAGFest? Mutual contacts. Uh, and we had yeah. played a lot of his songs already live, so... We're just the the people who were organizing knew that we would be able to with our particular combination of people. They knew that if if you were if you're putting together a band to back Vince Nicola at Magfest, it it's not a huge stretch to think, oh yeah, these guys have a whole bunch of his stuff already. They're already big fans and they already I mean, we we consistently with the Smash Brothers, I mean, playing Vert's music several years in a row that's like that's basically like learning a whole dream theater album in a couple weeks um pretty much yeah i was gonna so, say holy shit <laughs> right so like picking up vince Nicola's, i mean this is this is not to say that vince's music was easy i mean i was still reading charts on stage because it was so hard there was no way i was going to cram it into my brain there was it was complicated enough that i was i still was in you know musical theater mode like pit orchestra mode um, <laughs> <laughs> but <laughs> but yeah it it wasn't a huge stretch because of knowing people and them knowing that that's sort of our thing. So we got a call pretty early on, which was good because uh, it gave us a lot of time, uh, especially for Dugash. Because man, he oh, he man. Star yeah, Vince gave him show. Vince's mean. He gave him all the hard parts. <laughs> he did. He did. He really did. <laughs> <laughs> I probably would have just been besides myself because I said Transformers, the movie, given the age range of my audience, but I mean, most of them are older. So, I mean, pretty much grew up around the same time. But if you're one of you don't know, if you were in the 80s and at least old enough and didn't watch the movie at least 30 times in a given week and cry when Optimus Prime goes. Spoilers. Oh, shit. There you go. Yeah. Spoiler. Optimus. It's a 30 year old movie. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I'm sorry if you haven't read the book by now, you know. Right. Ah, uh, yes, J.R.R. Torkelson's The Transformers. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> oh man, but that soundtrack is legendary. So I mean, that's that's, that's a life changer. Is that Dare? Was that Dare? <laughs> <laughs> No, no, no. <laughs> I wasn't, you know, I like, I feel like an asshole because I wasn't sure what that was at first. No, that's the Autobot. Something, but yeah. yeah. <laughs> something, something amazing about, about the Vince thing. And we, we joke about every time he, we, we were with, we were on a call with Vince. Um, the first time we ever spoke to him and George kept doing that and, he he actually was playing Dare and playing like the hard synth part on his stupid wind blowy keyboard thing that he's playing. And Vince is like, is that Dare? Just out of nowhere. Yep. And I was like, uh, yep. 
miraculously, dude. Yeah. Yeah. Miraculously. I, I, I was pretty blown away that we pulled that together considering I was like practicing all month and up to the 11th hour and the 59th minute. Um, but the moral of the story is if you go to video game conventions or you play any kind of instrument, make friends with the people who run those conventions and just like yep. be a cool dude because you never know. Like cool opportunities may happen. Right. Yeah. Be nice to everybody. And Yeah. Be yeah. nice to everybody is the moral of that story. One of one of my old Magfest sayings because I'm I'm one of uh, I think twelve people now left that have been to every Magfest and one of my my advice is when you go to an event like Magfest find somebody that you argue with on the internet and try and have a beer with them hmm. because you'll find that when you when you're talking about communities like this you will definitely have more common ground than you right. will argument uh because we're all nerds and we're all into video game music so that right there puts you sort of in a box where we should all be together and we should probably be able to find some commonality and also don't be afraid to talk to anybody you know yeah make friends with people you don't know i've been to comic book conventions and such i am just now kind of getting more into like gaming conventions because originally I just figured, well, you know, I like games, but can I go to a whole show? And I've only been to a few. Like, you know, most recently I've been to, like, too many games out in uh, Pennsylvania. And one of the things I love about the VGM community is the fact that it really does feel like a genuine community. I didn't want to say scene because something about scenes is, to me, and maybe this is, like, the pretentious dick in me, but to me, scenes (laughs) always felt temporary because, you know, I've been a part of certain scenes growing up. And they were cool for a time, but then there's always like this inevitable thing where, you know, people splinter off. It becomes very clicky. It becomes very much like a, well, we have this agenda and fighting starts and it, they just eventually just kind of die out. Whereas VGM, I feel like it really is like a super supportive community. And I love that in each album or show or even just people that I interact with, let's say, on social media, that I start seeing so many, you know, people like who are super supportive. They reach out, even if they're not a part of that band in particular, they're still involved in some way. And I think that's something that I almost envy in a way. And something I think that even the world of comics can maybe take a cue from mm. is being really there for each other. And I'm sure, you know, things come up, you know, we're human. You know, it's not always a, a perfect setting, but by the same token, I think, at least from an outsider's perspective, that it feels more of like a nice family more than just a collection of people who just happen to play music. There's drama. Oh, that happens. Yeah. It's a part of a, a community that's in a bunch of people who are into such a specific niche sort of thing that even as I think that has helped with even as big as it's gotten. Um, and I, if you think about comics, you know, comics are huge. Uh, so I feel like scenes in that sort of world and even in, in more mainstream things where you, you have more mainstream popularity, the sort of transitory nature of a scene that you just described is more accelerated than what you would find in a group of people who were really into one really weird specific thing. Um, like sort of the more weird it is, the more commonality the, the group members share. And I think what's impressive is how much room for growth. And I mean, just even on a musical level, like I said, when I first was listening to this, you know, a lot of it was metal arrangements. And then, you know, finding, you know, there were rappers who also use video games and influencing and not even necessarily just playing the music of the games, but even finding ways to have those stories from the games influence their own personal lives. And it's crazy that this thing that we all did after school or on weekends some saw it as like, you know, just kind of a passing hobby that, oh, there's never going to be anything, you know, to come from that. Like, you're just kind of wasting time. But now it's like, yeah, music. I mean, esports are a thing now. I wonder yeah. when, like, several hundred, hundred years ago, somebody had to say that about books. <laughs> <laughs> like, fiction writing, that's never going to catch on. It's this going to be a fad it's that passes make, making up things <laughs> that didn't like, happen what right there's no reason that any of these stagnant static pages are ever going to take the place of live storytelling it can't right. happen now that's legit like that was a thing when when people first started with written language there were people who decried written language as the downfall of man because we wouldn't have to think anymore we wouldn't have to remember things of course, 
they sort of were wrong about what would happen with institutional knowledge and generational knowledge. But that was a real thing when written language was development was people thinking, oh, well, it's all over now because you don't have to remember anything. You could just write stuff down and someone else can remember it, which is a weird thing for us to think about. But when you when you start to look at certain bits of nerd culture, you can see where, yeah, there, people would have been backwards like that because people are backwards like that today even about things. Yeah. <laughs> well, they're saying the exact same thing about Google right now. Why? They're decrying the fact that you never have to remember a single thing for the rest of your life. Just Google it. You'd be surprised how Google does not help only because it's like, well... You still have to be good at that. <laughs> yeah. You can suck at search engines, but that's a whole other podcast. I might not have to remember things now, but like if I go on Google and I'm searching around for, I don't know, whatever. I, I got to like hedgehog. Yeah, I'm searching around for <laughs> a specific like Sonic the Hedgehog OC that I remembered seeing on Twitter. And I, I'm trying to find this OC again because, you know, and not all that you I want to steal the cover it looked at. So you, yeah, you yeah. look at the cover and you're looking for images of Sonic the Hedgehog. Yeah, so I got to, rather than having to use my brain power comes to remember, up. like I got to use my brain power to use my bullshit sensors and figure out, you know, which of these websites have just played the SEO game and which ones actually have the true, like pure Sonic <laughs> content that I'm looking for. Yeah, that's actually a legit skill. And matter of fact, there were a couple of classes I almost could have signed up for, I remember, of at least, you know, early on in the internet, but just how to properly use search engines. And that's crazy that that's even a, a skill to have to learn. I think what happened with video games and what's happening to comics and it's happened to music is, you know, it was very insular. And it's funny you should mention books because let's be honest, like, you know, there's a whole society of people that weren't even allowed to read. Mm -hmm. Yeah. There's groups of people who aren't allowed to play video games or read comics. And even now in 2018, we're still having to fight those battles. So now that it's kind of opening up slowly but surely... You know, it doesn't feel so niche because when we realize, holy crap, more people were into this than we realize. So mm -hmm. it can only expand. It's become like an identity now. And I think that's what takes something like this from being just like like a thing that you do after school for whatever, <laughs> you know, just pass the time kind of thing to something that people feel really passionate about and something that people create art about and something that, you know, people want to endure, you know, beyond just them. Right. And then when you take it down even further than that, just the music aspect of it, there's a reason why MAGFest gets over 400 bands and artist submissions every year from groups that want to play on the main stage. It's growing and growing and growing, and more people are finding it socially acceptable to basically be playing cover songs of music that a lot of us grew up with or came into later in life, where you get like... It, it, there's no problem having the Steely Dan cover band in Arizona. Nobody bats an eyelash to that. But years ago, you play video game music live. What kind of a nerd are you? It's now something that is ultra cool in comparison to what it once was. It's a weird time to be alive, but it's it's an excellent time to be alive. And yeah, hey, let's not let's not be too charitable. I wouldn't say that it's super cool compared to what it was. <laughs> yeah, it's still. I'm, I'm gonna be real. It's still pretty freaking dorky. <laughs> Oh, yeah, it's absolutely dorky, but it's a fun kind of dorky. And it's Although, a different environment than when all you had to choose from was the mini bosses or the Advantage or the Aleshawn. <laughs> when I tell people I, I'm in this band and they're like, oh, what kind of band are you in? Like, What kind of music do you guys play? And they're expecting to hear, you know, metal rock or whatever like that. I'm like, oh, we're a video game music cover band. And then if I mention that we do like some TV <laughs> themes as well, they find the TV theme thing weirder. I find like more people think the that's opposite weird. Opposite experience, and I know that Dugash has described as well that we we both have had the opposite of that. Where when you bring up like, well, you know, yeah, we played the Doctor Who theme. People don't think that's nearly as weird as playing Arkista's Ring, for example. Right. Uh, I don't uh, usually tell them that we play Arkista's Ring because most people right. aren't going to know what that is. They're not going to know that. Like, well, I, I didn't played. even know what that was until we did this album. There's definitely some truth to that, so I can't even necessarily fault those people. But And even with the themes that you guys chose, like it's Quantum Leap and there's too many cooks. The internet would dictate otherwise, but that's a, still a very deep cut that, you know, it's not exactly like, okay, you're going to play the Too Many Cooks theme and like people are going to start throwing into a circle pit. There's that, but you also have to remember that like George and I played Canyon.mid. We so, did. I mean, our idea of a deep cut is real weird. Like, <laughs> we never got a louder ovation than we did the time we played Canyon.mid. That's kind of amazing. <laughs> 
See, <laughs> we figured I mean, that that was just going to go over everyone's head, and the no. the entire audience there just lit up. It was crazy. I had all these people coming up to me at Magfest who had got the album and were were saying, "Oh my god, I can't believe you did those songs from Goimon." And I was like, "Anyone yeah, but dude. me played that game." Like people other than me were into that. Like we we played uh, we played that that Goemon medley the time before this past time, and we didn't announce the names of the songs that year because no. we accidentally left our video in New York. <laughs> yeah, and so by we I mean the one of us who lives in New York left the show. <laughs> <laughs> we're not going to name names, just you know. <laughs> so yeah, the video played- was supposed to have the names of the songs on it and we we didn't even think to announce them. So yeah, those so, people just knew that that it was we got going up, on. We played going on and I had people coming up. We had people like singing along to the songs cuz those songs have lyrics in the originals. And like we had people singing along to the songs. I had people coming up to me after going, I can't believe you guys played Goemon. I love those songs. I still know all the words in Japanese. And I'm like, wow. I mean, I do too, but it feels <laughs> so much less weird. That's got to be surreal because it, it's like, are we both cool because of that? Or did, you know what I mean? Like that's, that's such. <laughs> yeah. It's weird. Like, I don't know how to feel about that's that. That's the exact sensation. Yeah. <laughs> But like I said, when you get that niche and you find other people who are, are into it, you're going to find the other Goemon fans. They'll show up. Yep. The other Goey men, if you will. Oh, Ooh. how gooey are they? <laughs> how how weird is it just being here that Adrian has has brought up like with the uh, this? This is just an interesting thing that I noticed with with the time travel medley. He's not mentioned Back to the Future. He hasn't. That's the song that all the not weird people catch. <laughs> yes. See, and that's me in general. And I often blame my parents for that because, well, that's the thing that most people do with weird shit like that. Because Back to the Future, yes. <laughs> like, Back to the Future, everybody knows. Like, you know, my stepkid knows that. And it's like, everybody knows Back to the Future in some way. If you don't remember the movies, you remember the DeLorean, you remember the hoverboard. You try to get a Pepsi free at some point. Right, you're, you're gonna, gonna have to. Pay if you for want a it. Pepsi, you're gonna have to pay for it. That's just one of those <laughs> things that is just pretty ubiquitous. But Quantum Leap was just one of those weird things that I was just a huge fan of as a kid. I didn't go outside. I was that kid. All right, you made me confess. <laughs> I think a lot of us so, are that kid. Okay, yeah, so true. some real talk. How old are you, Adrian? He has his birth year <laughs> and his username, man. No, I was born in '84. So what? 33, 32. And that's the thing. Like I was young, but I feel like I was. Too young to have even remembered half the shit I remember from most of those shows. Tab was a beverage. That's still a thing. I mean, not here. I can't remember the last time. Wait, no, wait. I think you can get Tab here. Holy crap. I don't think you can get Tab out here anymore. Wait, where are you located? I'm near Seattle. Oh, God. You're on the other end of the fucking country. Okay. Because <laughs> I could have swore I've seen it someplace. I've never actually had Tab, but I have seen it in certain spots like every so often. I think I've actually seen cans of it in supermarkets, but I've never actually drank Tab. You're not I mean, missing. Not, yeah, you're not missing much. You know what just came back here is Jolt. Oh, wow. Every time my wife goes to the to the DG, she picks up, she buys out their stock of Jolt. <laughs> Yeah. (laughs) All the kids going to the DG to get some jolt. Yeah, they always have like seven or eight cans of it. She just buys them all. That's that's like what what, like people in olden times would say. They're like, oh, the kids are hanging around the pool hall. They're going down to the DG and getting the jolt. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) This is why a band of people who are in their twenties and thirties and forties actually works. Yeah. <laughs> this is we different kinds of generations. Everyone who's older than me in the band, because I'm the baby in the band, everyone older than me, they don't like avocado toast. I don't like avocado toast either, but this is like my cross to bear because of the generational difference. So I just I have to force myself to eat a lot of avocados to to maintain my age position in this band and to stay in my lane, you know? Avocado's not even that good though, man. There's gotta be better ways than avocados. That's how yeah. I feel. Like, why would you waste an avocado on an avocado toast when you can make why like a guacamole? Right, like on anything other than guacamole, which is the only thing you should do with an avocado, really. I don't think avocados have any other purpose. I think they were specifically made for guacamole. You slice them up and you put them in things, or you mash them up and you put them on a slice of buttered no, toast. That's hobbits. Pepper. 
I was going to say, you, you suggesting that you would boil them, mash them, and then stick them in some kind of stew? Because that sounds disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> Avocados. <laughs> Thanks, Samwise. <laughs> Can, can, can somebody else just appreciate for me how disgusting the idea of a boiled avocado sounds? I need somebody out there, anyone who's listening to this, please, for the love of God. I need someone to do a voiceover of that scene from Lord of the Rings just with avocados. <laughs> avocados. <laughs> oh, my God. Like, no, avocados, like I said, they only exist just for guacamole. I don't think they have any other uses. I don't think they have any health benefits. I know they're very fattening. I'm looking down at my gut, stretched over my persona for sure, and this is not avocados. This is mostly alcohol. <laughs> What's your poison, sir? Um, Well, mostly rum these days. Well, that and mainly whatever cheap beer I can find. I recently discovered that brandy is delicious. Brandy is wonderful, but the problem is every time I have like brandy or scotch, I feel like I, I don't have enough smoking jackets. I don't own a fireplace. <laughs> See, that's I may or may not own that sort of thing. Unless I'm having like whiskey or bourbon, then I feel like I have to go on some like Bukowski level rant. Like it just there's certain things that I have to be doing when I have a certain uh-huh. drink. Rum is just one of those. I can be doing anything. You got to become like a wine swilling snob Tiny, like me. Tiny wines. Well, I'm already a snob, but I don't, I don't swill enough wine though. That's the problem. Here's the trick. You, you split the difference. No, no smoking jackets. Just wear cardigans all the time. Even when it's not an appropriate temperature to wear a cardigan, just wear a cardigan. Yeah. Man, it's not instantly hot. you'll become. <laughs> I just got that. <laughs> the beautiful day in the neighborhood. The beautiful day in the neighborhood. Take off your cardigan, Chuck. Oh, man. Never. I want to be buried in this shit. Chuck's not hot. (laughs) Chuck can never be hot. You sound just like those girls that used to bully me in high school. No, Chuck, you're you're beautiful, Chuck. You're beautiful. Hey, hey, hey. You're just not hot temperature-wise. Don't don't build me up too much, okay? I'm I'm, I'm okay. I'm all right. All right. I would would define myself as highly adequate. I just feel so bad. Like, this started out being promoting a new album, and it came down to, like, poor Chuck. Existential dread is pretty much the name of the game for me. But this <laughs> this podcast has gone to like a bunch of different places. Like we we had a weird like existential interlude or like an intellectual yeah. thing with the discussion about books and the written word and all of that. And that's how it goes here, man. It's been an adventure, it's, as well as should be. But I've come to realize though, my shows get pretty weird. I mean, this isn't even most recently. This is going back in the old podcast when I had the world of square on. There are some weirdos. We love them. We love them deeply. <laughs> but in that discussion, in this one, I've come to realize like VGM bands are almost like small street gangs because as the running gag there was blood in, blood out. You're not wrong. <laughs> so I'm just imagining the scenario of Chuck just getting jumped into the band, being pelted with avocados the entire time. <laughs> I mean, not that's basically that's how, it, how it went. The initiation? Yeah. Yeah, see, they found, they found me outside the big boy restaurant, and they, they knew they had to wake me up somehow, right? So, you know, avocados are as good away as any, and they don't leave bruises. So that's a good, you know, you can keep that one under your hat. Yeah, the avocado takes the bruise for you. I don't exactly. know if you knew that. Yeah. You don't, you don't want to eat those after you, after you use them for a whooping. Man. I don't- <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. That's... You guys are out of your minds. Have you actually removed the pretentious dick from up your ass? Because that could create some blockage. I've been thinking about that ever since you said that earlier. Wait, mm. are you talking to me? Are you talking to Chuck? Are you talking to Adrian? He's talking about having a dick up his ass. And I'm like, well, take it out. That, I was going to say that that represents an incredible amount of flexibility that, frankly, I'm envious of. Well, as a podcaster, you acquire certain skills that you didn't realize you would need, especially something that's audio based. <laughs> yeah, you're not wrong. <laughs> no, but seriously though, like I'm so glad we had a chance to chat. I've had so entirely too much fun, actually. Like you said, we've pretty much gone across the board between you know your songwriting process to avocados to books, and well, you know what? That's pretty much the long and short of it. But again, thank you to Sean, George, Chuck. Of course, shout out to Chris and Ryan, uh, who cannot be no, here. We and don't have to shout them out. Meanwhile, they're probably going to listen to this and like, oh my god! It was the shout out. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> Because we were talking about sticks earlier, and I was just like, well, see, I'm not the only one. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, You have been roasted, sir. <laughs> <laughs> but 
But before we go, actually, well, a couple of things before we go. Well, first off, if you don't mind doing a little uh, shameless uh, self-promotion, please let the good people know. Oh, you want a plug? I would love to do a plug. This camera, that camera, tell you what we got going on in our lives? Yeah. Um, well, that, <laughs> uh, where they can find the album and any other sites you want to maybe uh, throw out there before we head out. Okay, so we are Lonely Rolling Stars. We got a new album out. It is called Sugar Burger. You can get it exclusively on our Bandcamp page. That's lonelyrollingstars.bandcamp.com. Uh, or you could just Google Lonely Rolling Stars. I'm sure you'll find our stuff. You won't find uh, other things. <laughs> you, you you might find a song from Katamari that's the same name. And if you find that and you just go down like a YouTube rabbit hole about Katamari and never bother looking for our stuff, I mean, that's fine. You'll probably have a good time with that, too. Uh, we yeah, got some good stuff on the album. We got Gauntlet. We got Excite Bike. You can get it on a USB slap bracelet uh, if you like to own physical things. Or you can get it digitally uh, for name your price. Uh, we will even accept $0. We are happy to. Uh, if you want a slap bracelet, they're ten bucks. That's that's about it. That's what I got. That's the plug. Thank you so much, guys. But before we close out, I think I have to have them play one more. You're gonna play Persona. <laughs> Gotta go for the Persona. I should. You know what? I am wearing the Persona shirt. So there we go. We will close out by playing "Flirting Guys," which is their cover of. Honestly, can I just throw out there that the Persona Four battle theme probably one of the best battle themes in video game history? No. All right. Shoji McGurl know what he was doing. <laughs> That'll do it for this episode of Asian Has Issues. We will see you next issue. Thank you for listening to Adrian Has Issues. Please visit us on the web at adrianhasissues.com where you can stream and download all of our other great episodes. Like us on Facebook at facebook.com backslash adrianhasissues. Follow us on Twitter at adrianhasissues and on Instagram at adrianhasissuespod. You can also find us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, 
TuneIn Radio and the Laughable Podcast app. Thanks again.